Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 428 of the JV Club with my boy of summer, Jarrett Hill. He is one of the hosts of the Fantastic, yeah, I said that, I said it, the Fantastic Fanti podcast. If you recall, I did an episode with Travel Anderson at some point, and I just think both of these two folks are so fabulous. I loved my conversation with Jarrett. It was one of those that I just sort of walked away from, grinning from ear to ear and feeling like my brain was full and processing and chewing. And I'm going to stop using mastication verbs because I'm starting to gross myself out. And uh, this episode does not deserve that. I loved it. I hope everyone is doing well. And I will talk to you next week. in a while and I feel like last I mean was it last Max Fun Drive I feel like I got to see I feel like my Max Fun Drive had you in it way more than this last one and I kept wondering I was like oh where well because Travell and I hosted Max Fun Drive live last year yeah yeah whenever that was was that like August or yes I don't know July August sometime in 2020 yeah because that whole year is a blur. Yes. Um, but yeah, a, you that's know what? Right. Let's call it a smear. It's not a blur. You're right. It was a smear, it's a right? Smear. It just kind of just, just happened. So <sighs> yeah. Um, so what do we do here? How's what's the what's the plan? Well, I just pick a random spot on my face and I ask you to tell me what you think of it. No, um, I now I'm gonna grill you about amongst other uh, things. I'm not gonna grill you, but I would love to talk with you specifically about your teenage years. Okay. And how they were. This very clunky. I'm saying this like it's, you wouldn't think that I've been doing this exact concept for nine years. <laughs> I'm like, then how? Like just starting out. Yeah. I know. I assume you you were a teenager. I guess I should have asked that before we started the podcast. I don't know if you I were actually skipped that later. whole oh, part God, of my life. This is, so. What am I gonna do? Okay. Um. Uh. No. Where Where did you Where did you grow up? Were you a mover arounder, or were you kind of settled in? And did you go to high school like at the same place? No, yeah, I'm originally from the Bay Area, and uh, I, I grew up in Northern California um, in a small-ish area um, of Northern California called Sassoon and Fairfield. They're like sister cities. Wait, uh, isn't Fairfield, Fairfield where James is from? James? Yeah, Arthur? I don't know, but if we have another like Fairfield Sassoon connection uh, here at Max is there, Fund, that is would there, be crazy. Is there a, like an Air Force base kind of near? Yes. Oh, honey. Uh, Shut up. Travis uh, Air Force Base. I wish I could take a couple of weeks ago's episode and just smear it right into this one and just put what? the two of you together. He fully went there, lived there, um, was like a mean girl to survive is sort of. Wait, how old is James? <sighs> I don't know. 30-ish? Probably. Oh my god! Wouldn't it be crazy if we like went to high school together or something? Like, I mean, I'm telling you for sure, he absolutely lived there. <laughs> that's bananas. Okay, well, we'll have to do that research off air. Well, you would um, remember because I think he was a high. If you were there at the same time, I think he was like the president of his student council. Okay, wait. Now, what is his last name? Uh, Arthur. 
James Arthur. It's it's James Arthur M. Actually, so it's possibly that the M is. I did. Part of my podcasting was not. I did not pry into what the M is, but James Arthur M. James Arthur. Um, I don't know him. Very handsome, but I don't. We don't know each other. I don't think. I have to say, this is a delightful piece of information that is rolled out right now. What if I just proceeded to tell you all about his teenage years and forgot to even ask you about yours? Or you were like, he's actually from Cleveland, just wanted to <laughs> make a left-hand turn. But anyhow, I, I grew up... You've heard of pranks, right? My <laughs> exactly are very right. gentle, but also very annoying. She's very like, we're actually going to bring in your ex here um, <laughs> now. Right. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area in Fairfield. Um, I went oh to Fairfield God. High School. I did not move so I was there all four years and um my teen years it's funny because as I think about my teen years I remember so little about middle school but high school I'm pretty tapped into yeah I remember like a few specific instances from high from middle school and I'm writing a book right now and a pilot and like I'm having to like excavate all that stuff and I'm just like I don't remember any of this and so I'm like having to talk to friends and like pulling different things out I'm like oh I do remember that yeah I yeah. was a conflict manager in seventh grade and stuff like that I'm sorry um, let's back I mean Come on. Like, you threw that out there knowing that I was going to chomp down on well, that so hard. you know. Well, How adorable. What? I mean, first of all, I should not in any way look askance at that or make fun of it because the worst times I had with, like, conflict were 6th, 7th, and 8th grade where that's when I was bullied. That's when, like, a kid kicked me in the stomach who was a boy. Oh, no. Like, that, like that was when the most kind of, like, just shitty behavior was happening to and around me (laughs) and i feel like i did not i mean i wasn't seeing that or subjected to it in high school so actually i could have used a conflict manager a seventh grader who was also a conflict manager it's funny because like in my like leadership roles now i've had to do a lot of like conflict management with like getting two people to have conversations with each other and stuff like that and so i remember after having done it like the third or fourth time this year i was like Oh, my God. I was a conflict manager in seventh and eighth grade. Like, I've been doing this forever. And so uh, between that and, like, being personal assistant for, like, a love, sex, and relationships therapist, Mm -hmm. I've gotten a pretty good sense of, like, how to, you know, deal with folks and, like, being the the middle person. But How does um, that happen? How how do do you – how? How are you a conflict manager in seventh grade? The thing that I have, uh, oh, well, how did that happen in seventh grade? I, I think I just always kind of liked being involved in stuff and, like, finding different ways to, like, be a part of, like, different groups or whatever. And I don't remember how it started, but I definitely remember, like, you know, having different instances where, like, two different students were having a conflict and they would, like, call me out of class and be like, hey, we need a conflict okay, manager. I and we had, like, an this. office this is not that we a got thing to go I have... into. I mean, like, that's not a thing. That I don't think... That that's it's funny because I've never seen it anywhere else, and like it probably should go in a show somewhere because I've never seen it anywhere else. But like, it's so Wes Anderson, you know what I mean? To be like, (laughs) let's okay, I'm a child, let me go ahead and sit down these two other children to show how mature you could be, even at our age. But they were like forms, there was a form to fill out. This is outrageous. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but, like, I remember there was, like, a group of us that were conflict managers. Remember to get your paperwork in, like a police officer. Like, do not skimp on that report. There was a note or or something that we had to figure out. I totally should go back and find this. But this is um, fabulous. 
But yeah, seventh and eighth grade, I was a conflict manager. And then when I went to high school, high school was just... High school has always been really interesting to me because I had such a different perspective on it at the end than I did, like, going through it. Mm. So as I'm writing about it now, I'm like, wow, I had a really completely wrong perspective on my high school experience. So, Like all the way through it? Or like like you sort of had it, you, you were like, why couldn't I have had the perspective I had at the end? With yeah. Doreen? No, absolutely. So yeah. I... I don't I don't know if this is what you wanted to dive into right now, but we totally can. I'm great um, with whatever. So the the story that I feel like I, I remember the most from high school came from senior year and it was homecoming and like we had homecoming court or whatever. And I had run for homecoming king and like you had to like submit your name and you, you know, put posters up all over the school and all that type of shit. And like we I campaigned really hard for it. And so, like, the night of the homecoming game comes, and we're out on the football field um, where I guess they also do sports. And <laughs> we were in front of the stadium. And, like, the all of the nominees are down on the, the field or whatever. And, like, we are, um, like, they're announcing, you know, the different names of the people or whatever. And so I'm a senior. And so they have, like, freshmen sophomore junior prince and princess and then they come to senior prince and princess and so they say the princess's name and they say jared hill and i'm like holy shit i won and so i you know i'm there in front of the stadium of people and i go and i stand in the space where you know i'm supposed to stand or whatever and so I'm standing there. I'm like, oh, my God, this is happening. You know, uh-huh. it's probably very homosexual with like a pageant kind of moment. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and as I'm standing there, I hear them say, and your homecoming king, just as the person standing behind me goes, excuse me, could you scoot over? Oh, no. And I realize I did not win. I got second. And I lost homecoming king to be senior prince. And Dean Bozenkay was the homecoming king. And I was like, no one in the stadium knew that I had done something wrong, but I'm fully humiliated. Right. right? Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, I look like an idiot. Yeah. Again, no one knew. And so that was like what I carried with me throughout the rest of the school year. Not even acknowledging, like, people voted for me. Right. right. Like, right. And I got prince. Yeah. So fast forward to the end of the school year, and I have carried around this idea that people just hate me, right? Like, oh I lost. I'm, you What's know, an, and like... What an amazing thing to we do to ourselves to just well, punish I mean, ourselves for whatever. Completely what therapy has been for in my adult life. Um, and like, I get to prom, and it's like, I had no idea that I was even nominated for prom king and until I got there to vote. And I'm like, well, I didn't even like fucking campaign for this what the hell and then i won and so i was like completely disoriented by like you like me you you really like me it was ridiculous Um, well i want to take this a step further dean could you come in here please we have got a surprise by you I am trained in seventh grade level conflict resolution. (laughs) Simple. It's a one form situation. I will fax you. It's bananas. (laughs) Like Dean Bozen. I think he's like a pilot now. He was always like really hot and like he sounds like he does kind of sound like 
like like our generation's Sully Sullenberger or whatever. Oh like. my god! And remember how Dean? What's his name? Dean Bozen K. It's such Bozen-K. a good name. Dean Bozen K. Landed that plane when nobody thought it was possible. Dean, yeah, absolutely, totally. Get on out here. Yeah. Um. He's like in a leather jacket with like spiky hair. Like you know that guy. Or perhaps you know guy. the hair. The wind is always blowing his hair, even though you're like, there's no wind. What's happening? How is his hair it's being ridiculous. gently blown by wind? <laughs> yes. It just always like walking in slow motion. You know, like, it's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. So We're, that's, like, my high school story that I always remember. Yeah, the whole, like, somehow I was voted prince and that means everyone hates me is such a classic thing that we do to ourselves. Well, like, and I had done that to myself all throughout high school. Like, and I, I've, I've done this thing in my mind where if I haven't spoken to someone in a long time or we don't have, like, an awesome relationship, I imagine that they must hate me. Uh-huh. And I, it's taken me so many years to, like, break that pattern in my mind of thinking, like, people hate me. And that was, like, a perfect example of, like, you're being stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, you know. Where does that – but, like, where does that come from? I mean, I'm not saying you have to know the answer. But do you feel like you there's a place that that was born – that came from something real and then like it just sort of mutated and like took over or was it always just like kind of baked in because I feel like mine was kind of baked in I don't know that there was any one thing but I did also feel like oh no that person they probably don't like me and I don't know what I did so I can't fix it and it's like that's because you didn't do anything asshole like why are you overcomplicating this I again a lot of therapy um and like I've I've kind of brought this up in therapy but i think that it has something to do with one being a gay kid who wasn't out and like couldn't come out and always felt like i was like hiding myself so when you say Um, there was a homosexual moment of pageantry did does does that mean that you were a not out gay boy who was 100 percent. i didn't come out till college i will say that james also did not come out at that high school and that he also didn't come out to college. Just saying. I'm just saying again. Listen. What if we you're just alternate in... universes? Like you're. It's like the Spider Verse, where the Spider Verse, where like. And yeah. we met up at Maximum Fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? But Bringing no, people I, I together. Think, I think for myself, it was that I, I was always hiding a part of myself and like arguing with myself about who I was, which I think most, you know high school teenagers are doing yeah but that's an intense Um, layer that's a big layer to be grappling with and not be out yeah so there was that and i think there was you know i mean my parents divorced when i was nine and so like it really you know changed my perception of relationships and how people interacted with one another and all that there was a lot going on there there was there was a lot yeah did you have brothers and sisters I do. So I have one biological brother, and then my parents divorced. My dad remarried, re-divorced, and remarried again. My mom remarried. And so on both sides, I have stepbrother and stepsister. Gotcha. My dad's side, they're older. My mom's side, they're younger. Gotcha. And yeah. is was that area, again, just... <laughs> I should just act like I've never heard of this area because now I'm like, well, James said that people cow tipped. But I heard it just it sounds like it was a little bit of like, a, oh, this was in the Bay Area, but it was not, you know, San Francisco, Oakland level kind of like right. stuff happening. No, I mean, there was, there was some sort of farmish stuff maybe happening. There but. was some cow tipping happening. <laughs> I was not a cow tipper. Um, hanging out with the cows was not really my jam. 
Um, but we had like some rural areas, uh, rural-ish areas, but like Fairfield was a city of 100,000 people. Like it yeah. wasn't super small. Um, we had a mall. We had an Air Force base, you yeah. know, lots of stoplights. Uh-huh. So, you know, like the things that we measure, right. I guess, <laughs> right, for, right. for town size. Um, but being mayor was a part-time job. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there's Being that. mayor's a part-time job. That's very telling. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have an association with the base? Like, were you connected? Was your family connected to that? That was not the reason you lived there. No, it just it just happened to be, you know, the thing in the town because we weren't a military family. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather was in World War II. My uncle was a Marine. Um, but we weren't like a military family per se. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think everything you just said also true. Wait, are you are you and I also the same? I know, right? This is wonderful. What a wonderful peppering together of all these different things people have in common. Um, Yeah, that, I mean, because you're younger than me, and I always, I think I I told myself the story of, you know, just like the cliche thing that you want to believe, especially if you're a kid. I mean, when I lived in Arizona and was going to high school, you know, nobody was out, out, although being in like the alternative kind of you know gothy like that was absolutely Mm. a place where perhaps not in school but outside of school you could be out um but it was not but i tell myself the story of like well you know again it rapidly improved in many areas of the united (laughs) states you know after i was when i was in college i'm sure many high schoolers were just out and proud and like you know i continue to have to be reminded like I mean, it's some not, areas, depending on where you are. Yeah. It is interesting because I had a I had a, a friend group in my uh, first couple of years of college, and we were all only like two years apart from each other, like a, a pretty close window. But like the younger two had come out when they were 14, 15. And us that were like the year or two older, we didn't come out until college. And it was interesting to see like how their mm. development as young queer people was so much different. Yeah, uh, you know, coming out in tenth grade just made for such a different high school experience. Yeah. than coming out your first year of college. Absolutely, uh, it was just totally different. Absolutely, yeah. I had a. I mean, I I've always I I've t- I guess I've talked about this en- en- enough or a fair amount, but I was not. I was absolutely by. I was absolutely not closeted about that. But I also, I don't, I don't know that that was like a conversation I was having with anyone other than like girls that I also was kind of fooling around with or, you know, trying to figure out what was going on with um, and then other friends. So I never felt like rejected for that reason. Um, But I definitely had it like I had one of those things happen later in my life where I said something playful to like an old friend that I used to fully make out with a lot um, when we were little. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, you, you know, we are like, you know, we played boyfriend, girlfriend. Like we really got into it. Wait, was she like, was like shocked. And she by was this? like, and she was like, no, we didn't. It was like, <gasps> and it was like, this conversation is over. And I was like, oh shit. Okay, got it. Like this, we're not. We didn't evolve. We didn't oh, all wow. evolve into this relationship to bisexuality or queerness or whatever. Yeah, and and that maybe for her it was it really wasn't that. And for me, it was like, yeah, this is all kind of part of 
what I That's who so I am, and you know what I mean. So it was weird to like be shamed so far so far after it had happened. You know, it was like, yeah. wait, I'm not. The, no, I'm not. I I I, I, I can't, I'm not going to go back and process this now. Like I'm. This That's happened. So interesting. Yeah. 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 But but I definitely think you know trying to. I mean, trying to navigate that, that's just exactly as you said, like there's already so much going on as a high school student just with what your body is literally doing in terms of hormones and all that shit. And then trying to I mean, did you so you were saying that you sort of had the argument with yourself. So it wasn't necessarily that you were like, I know I'm queer and I absolutely will not let anyone know. Or were you like, no, no, I'm not. Look, I'm. I'm I'm dating this girl. Ha ha ha. You know oh, what no. I mean? Like, I was, was a... 100% in denial about it. Yeah. And so okay. like okay. I yeah, I'd yeah. had people call me all kinds of like, you know, derogatory names in elementary school, middle school cuz I, I I distinctly remember liking a boy when I was 6, but knowing that I couldn't say that out loud. And then but not knowing why, mm-hmm. right? Like there's cultural context to say ain't nobody else saying that shit, so you shouldn't. Right. Um but no one had said to me like you should not say that. Um, and so then I did not know what it meant to be gay until I was 10. Um, and I saw Greg Louganis on the Oprah show <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's, that's what I am. Um, but I had seen so many other like depictions of queerness on like the other talk shows, right? Like I watched a lot of talk shows when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. so like Ricky Lake and Jenny <laughs> Jones, they're always to be a be- conflict manager. Listen, well, I mean, I you grew were, up wanting to be a talk show host, too, right? There you go. Right. That's the closest and so, thing to it. Right. I, I know and I have so, an I, I would love to do this in front of an audience. Would that make you too uncomfortable? I know we've been pulled out right. of class. I'd like to take it back <laughs> in class and just go ahead and set it up right at the chalkboard. Can we get some chairs up here? <laughs> I'm going to be out in the audience. Um, so talk to us about... But, like, I... That was very no, much I like watch my that show. experience. I need you to I know, write right? that script, please. The conflict manager class. Oh, my God. Um, but like, I, I just knew that like something was different. And so when I was 10 and realized like, oh, that's what I am. I didn't even come out until I was 19. Right. So I was like battling with it. I grew up super Christian. So I was like very much so knowing that this was something that was not okay. And that, you know, God hated this and I should not do it and whatever. And when you say you grew um, up very so, Christian, do you mean that you yourself felt that God felt that about you? Or was it like the family and the culture that you were in, but you didn't necessarily believe in God or whatever? Um, no, I my family, like, we went to my uncle's church, right? And yeah. we were always super involved in church. When my parents divorced, we went to a new church. We were a very active, involved family in our Baptist church. Like, it was, we were a very, very Christian family. And so when I finally did come out, that was actually part of the challenge for me. It was like, I had spent years trying to pray the gay away, right? Mm. I had spent so many years asking God to take it away once I, like, mm. fully accepted, like, this is a thing. Yeah. Um, but, like, I had a, a best friend friend that we met in seventh grade and we were, we've you know known each other ever since um and but she was you know she's a girl and so in my mind at that age i was like well girl best friend mm-hmm. that's supposed to be my girlfriend mm-hmm. and she was like no nah, <laughs> something about that ain't right mm-hmm. but i'll let you figure that out yourself 
Um, which is funny now because she's a lesbian. But I that's probably uh, well, why because uh, well, so many girls would you know be like, and he re- he was so tender and like so sweet to me. <laughs> right. He listened to me, and I realize now. Oh yeah, of course he, oh, you know he was gay. Right. And, like well because. She, I don't, I think she actually identifies as bisexual, but like she, you know, is in a full relationship with a woman now. And like, I, I went through so much of like trying to figure out what it meant for me to like be attracted to a girl or try to be attracted to a girl, but not actually attracted to this girl. But, you know, and like trying to figure out my feelings about women. And there were other girls that I was like, I think I have a crush on her. Or maybe she's just really pretty and I want to be her friend. Yeah. But not in the same way that I want to be his friend. Right. You know, like right. that kind of thing. Um, so it was just, it was really challenging just kind of figuring out who I was and what I was going to do with it. And yeah. I remember like the first time I, um, I remember like in elementary school seeing a guy named Jay on, on the playground or whatever and knowing that Jay was like me, but not knowing what it was and also, like, always keeping distance between myself and Jay. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, kind of having that same, like, familiarity and, like, keeping distance because of whatever I was telling myself. Right. And then there was a popular, um, out, I, I guess he was out and gay guy. Um, when I was in 11th grade, he was in 12th grade. So he was, like, cool and all that kind of stuff. But I remember us hooking up. We're, like, sort of hooking up. And mm-hmm. me being, like... Oh my God. As it's happening, right? Like, right. I'm completely not in the moment. I'm like, right. I'll make up a name because I shouldn't say that. We'll call him James. James, and could you I was come like, in here, please? We're going to be calling right, him James. Right. James. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. James is doing what he's doing to me yeah. right now. And I don't know what to think. Like, it was bananas to me. Yeah. Um, and just always trying to figure out, like, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am yeah. I going through? And it was it was tough. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, He's coming back. Or do you mean the fact that (laughs) Apple Podcasts has named Fanti one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, (laughs) (laughs) Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things. We're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fan-tie you. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. Let me just throw this in there and then we can pull this right out of the mix too um, because it may not be an issue or a factor or whatever. I mean, again, again, imagine it's a factor, but like did race play a role? Like how was that? Were you navigating that in addition to, you know, queerness and and all that? So as a teenager, I wasn't thinking about race nearly as much as I was in high school. I mean, excuse me, in college. Uh So in high school, I wasn't thinking about it as much as I was in, in college. Um, I went to an HBCU for part of my college tenure uh, in Atlanta. And so when I left uh, Fairfield and went to Atlanta, I was 19 because I did junior college for two years. And 
when I was at Clark Atlanta, it was the first time I was really trying to figure out like the race element of my life, right? I had spent so much time like immersed in trying to figure out the queer angle. And then my first year in Atlanta, I was sorta out, but like trying to like put my toe in the water. And my second year, I met my now one of the folks who's still my best friend um, and like we were roommates and we were both gay and like that was kind of like my immersion into black gay culture right yeah. and like being able to kind of figure out like what it's like to be at this intersection of different things and so the race element for me really came in during college. I feel like that's again, <laughs> like again I realize I know what I look like and who I am when I say this, but I feel like in my experience of even doing the podcast or just speaking to friends of mine, um, I, that seems like it's a kind of a theme that comes up a lot, even if, if, if somebody's straight. I feel like there are a lot of, of guys that I've spoken to who are like, I didn't necessarily identify with my blackness until I was in college. And then I was sort of looking back going like, oh, I, I, there was this piece that was missing or, you know, I was trying to ignore that piece or, you know, it's just just ways of of not identifying um, that in some ways, like there's an innocence and sort of almost sweetness to some of that, which is like, honestly, we weren't really like it wasn't really a factor, which isn't necessarily a good thing. But maybe there's a piece of that. But then you sort of, you know, get on to college and go like, wait, there's a lot of stuff that like I just wasn't exposed to or I wasn't looking at or thinking about that, you know, bears paying attention to and and coming to know, you know. Well, I think what's interesting for me with high school versus college, and I've been thinking about this a lot, especially um, I find myself getting increasingly frustrated when I learn things about black history that I didn't learn in school. Um, and I feel like there's been a lot of that oh, uh, God. in adulthood. Absolutely. But I think that what's been interesting to me was I grew up in the Bay Area where it was really diverse, right? Like my best friends were from every walk of life. When I went to college, I did not just go to the South. I went to a black college, yeah. right? And so like going to Atlanta, I always reference as being a a bit of a, an island in the middle of a desert, right? Mm-hmm. Like Atlanta is very much, we see that when we look at election maps, right? Like how Atlanta is blue and like all of yeah. the rest of the state is red. Um, but like it's a, a liberal place within a very conservative place. But even if we look at the South, like, Atlanta is that within the context of the South, but it's still relatively conservative because it's the South. Right. And so I moved there and it was the first time I became like very aware of being black because I was amongst all of these other black students, which was part of why I went there. Yeah. I was excited to see, you know, young black people who were ambitious, who were entrepreneurial, who were super intelligent, who had goals and things like that. But I had not seen such a concentration Mm -hmm. of black folks in that way. But it also... Atlanta is kind of known as like a black gay Mecca as well, right? And so there are so many people there that are able to be so much more open at that time. And I feel like we're a lot more open uh, more broadly nowadays. But um, that was interesting to me. It was interesting to be in classes with so many black folks. I remember I had gone like my first three weeks before I realized like I haven't seen a white person. Like (laughs) until it was like someone was walking down the street and I was like, oh, my God. There's a white guy. Like, you know what I mean? Um, And it was just, it was, there was so much thought about race 
in college for me because I was going to a black school, because I lived in Atlanta. And we actually just did an episode of Fanti where we were talking about colorism. And I was saying how I had never thought about my skin tone in the way that I did in college until I got there, right? I was... I've always been lighter than both my parents. So like that was like a bit of a, a, a running joke, like, oh, you're adopted. And I was like, wait, but am I? Uh-huh. And then and then I realized like I wasn't adopted, but I I did not think about being a light skinned black person until I went to Atlanta and people referenced my light skin all the time. Yeah. Right. And there would always be like a a conversation of me being high yellow, which is something black folks will say. Oh, but yeah. also calling me a red bone, which is like another thing that black folks say about light skin. Yeah. Um, so there was just so many elements of race that came into my identity or into my consciousness, I should say. Um, in college that was just never a part of the thought process when I was uh, in high school. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love Atlanta. And I've said, I feel like I've made so many naive statements <laughs> while in Atlanta. I mean, I just such a fucking cliche. Uh, where like I, because I worked there like many years ago, like 15 years ago, I started working there shooting this this thing for Turner. And it was mm. such a diverse group I of people on too. the cast and crew in, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you know, uh, at yeah. least in my experience. And, and also like very all over the map. Like there were janitors who were white and there were executives who were black and everything in between. And that was my experience, my perceived experience, again, as a white woman, totally recognize that. But being in the city of Atlanta, it felt, (laughs) again, just based on like my own personal experience, it always felt, I always loved it because it felt like very inclusive. It felt like, of course, there were like bars that, you know, a bunch of gay black boys would go to. And there were bars that, you know, it tended to be just be like white folks who work in whatever. I don't even know what white people do there. But yeah. anyway, uh, but like and then there were just a lot of places where there was just a mix. And yeah. and that and and I felt I felt like I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. And again, the naivete is like, of course, land is not perfect. And there's a fuck ton of problems that are. I'm sure, like, you know, that they're race-related and that they're class-related. But for me, it was, like, it felt like such a mecca of, like... And I worked on the game there, which was, like, I was the only white girl, like, on the cast or crew. (laughs) And... But I just... I just loved it. It just felt... It just felt great. And, um... And so that's why I associate with Atlanta. And, again, not a perfect place, but, like, so much more just feeling like, oh, we're... There's no, like... Yeah, you make way well, more money. So you make way more money than me, and like you're, t- you know what I said? Like, there's just like the, <laughs> the disparity felt less intense, and it just felt like, can everybody look? There's something is going right here that yeah. I feel like I'd love to see more of everywhere. Well, so that's so interesting because I, coming from the Bay Area, diverse looks different in the Bay Area than it does in Atlanta, yeah. and so I had a boyfriend who was from Phoenix, Arizona, and like the area of Phoenix that he was in was a more affluent area of Phoenix, but it was, like, all white, and his family was, like, the black family, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so when he came to Atlanta, he was always noting about how diverse it felt, and he felt like there was so much more diversity than when he was at home. But when I came from the Bay Area... I always we thought like, Atlanta was like, where are the Asians? Where are the exactly. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, and, and so for him, it was like, oh, this is just so much more diverse. And for me, it was like, 
diverse here feels like when there is a black person amongst white people right. or vice versa. Right. And so it was an interesting dynamic for me because I was like, oh, diversity means different things in different places. Absolutely. But also it shows up in all of these different kinds of ways. And like one of the ways that uh, I've been thinking about lately is I do, uh, I'm a journalist by trade. And one of the things I've been doing now is uh, a lot of like media training and diverse media consulting. And one of the things I talk about in some of that consulting is like, the concept of diversity is diverse within itself, mm, right? Like yeah. what it means to be diverse is not just like, oh, black folks or Latino Absolutely. folks it's or queer folks. It's a great point. It's so but important. But there's so much nuance in yeah. it, you know? Like yeah. there's, there, when we think about uh, one of the things I was talking about in, in the recent work I was doing was In the Heights is such a perfect example, the film that just came out. Yeah. Because In the Heights is, you know, held up as, you know, this great moment for the Latinx community to have this amazing cast doing this amazing show, this amazing film. Um, But then when it came out, there was all this conversation about colorism because all of the the cast were light-skinned Latino people, right? And so, like, there's diversity and then, like, there's the diverse nature of discussing diversity when we think about colorism or the ways we think about accent or language and all of the other elements that branch off of it. You're so so, right. It's such a – it's just an easy word to use because you're right. I'm from Tucson. My city is, like – it is is culturally diverse only in that there is a small Asian population, but there there are a ton of Latinx folks and a ton Mm -hmm. of white people. Who, you know, there's lots of like intermingling. That's the school that I went, you know, the schools that I went to. I, we were in the minority as white kids. Um, and you're right. Like, I can say that's diverse, and then I can describe Atlanta as diverse. And yet, never the twain shall meet. It's not diverse. Yeah. It's, not, it's not black diverse in Tucson at all. And you're yeah. right. And I need to be more careful about that because I do. I like everyone else. Sort of use it as like whatever the conv- it's like a, a big catch-all term it, that you use in convenience for whatever little thing you have to be talking about. But like, it's way but more. But it's so subjective, right? Yeah. So like, for again, for my ex, like. Atlanta was really diverse because yeah. he wasn't used to seeing black folks uh, around and, and especially in the elements that we were seeing them as far as like academia and yeah. professionalism. Yeah, diversity and that of kind class, of diversity of all those right. things that break down within it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I always cringe when I think about it because I there's like this, this conversation around there's a conversation around the idea of uh, diversity of thought. And I remember the the diversity and inclusion person at uh, Apple was talking about, well, you can have diversity in a room uh, full of white men. And it was like, no, sis, that is not what that means. You know what I mean? Like, yes, one comes from Cleveland and the other comes from Seattle, but that is not diversity. Right. Um, But yeah. Oh, bless. Bless. (laughs) So, okay. So when you were, were you like, you made the joke, which, by the way, I would totally agree with. Like, I had no relationship to um, this, like our stadium or whatever, as a place yeah. where sports took place. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I remember. Like, I went out there. Like, I think I got my diploma on there. Like, there was just no, I had no relationship to sports. Um, was that something that? So that was not really a thing that you were kind of like using as a, another shield or as a way to kind of be like, oh, this. And uh, by the way, uh, not to say that black gentlemen cannot play sports. And the op- Listen, or, the, or the gay je- black gentleman cannot play sports. Like, but, I'm a you six know. foot three black man. The expectation was that I was going to right. play basketball, right. and right. like I, I remember someone telling me like that I was quote a waste of height because I was not playing basketball. Sure. And I was like, wow, that feels great. Thank sure. you. Um, I think I that's. Tried a, I feel to... like that's a thing that gets said all the time to tall oh my kids, God. especially tall black kids. It's like, 
yikes, this feels <laughs> no, that feels like an accidental yeah. racial profile here. Like, exactly. back off a little bit on that? That's right, right. Let me live my life. Yeah. You know, um, I tried sports and like I remember I, I was not the best student. I was always really involved in like extracurricular activities. Right. So I was in theater. <laughs> Go figure. Um, I was in, you know, all of these different clubs with debate team and all, all I was in five or six different clubs my senior year. Um, but like my grades were always, you know, kind of up and down. So I was not able to participate in the sports that I wanted to sometimes mm. or like I would start them. Um, and I remember like there was one year I was going to be on track and field and like progress reports came and my I, I couldn't do it. Hmm. Um, I was going to try tennis and I remember... <laughs> Oh, homosexuality is exhausting. <laughs> I I remember my first like tennis classes, like we had tennis in PE and I was like, oh, maybe I'll go for the tennis team. And my only frame of reference for tennis was Venus and Serena. Sure. And so I thought that every time I hit the ball, I had it to like scream. I had to scream. <laughs> and so I'd be out there like swinging the racket like, <laughs> and they'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm playing tennis, right? And it was, looking back at it now, I'm like, I have been gay my whole <laughs> life. Like, and like, I didn't make the tennis team, you know what I mean? And so like, it was, sports was something I like dabbled in, but it was never a serious I mean, I'm a, a little bit thing. in love with Teenage Terror. Everything I'm hearing <laughs> is like, Definitely you, junior high. You just want to be like on the side of the tennis courts watching oh, me scream every time God. I hit the ball and being like, wonderful. oh my God, this homosexual. <laughs> this is wonderful. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I wanted to tie up, uh, if you're comfortable with it, is to just return to, just because I know a lot of listeners can relate, is return to this idea of religion and you know, feeling like sure. you've been told that there's this authority figure who is, you know, loving and so important in your life in so many ways, perhaps in all the ways, like if that's what you're being taught, um, to then feel like the ultimate authority disapproves of something you're doing. Um, what, how did your relationship with God change? Like, how did you how did that evolve <laughs> like and can you tie it up in 30 seconds no, right. not at all not at all not at all no but uh, but that is something that you know is it's such a big thing that people have to grapple with and i'm always interested in like how that how what that process is like for folks the the broadcast journalist in me always loves the moment when it's like could you really unpack this and do it in about 45 <laughs> seconds because we're almost out of here um well i would I did say not mean we, it that way no 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 not at all um I have had a really complicated relationship with church, religion, and faith um, throughout my entire life. And I, I think of them as distinctly different. Mm. Um, and when I, when we first started Fanti, one of the, the episodes that we did in our pitch that we were like, this is the idea of what we want to do for our show. For listeners that don't know the show, Fanti, we talk about the things that we love that we also have some mixed feelings about, right? Yeah, it's and so, so church was one of those, thank you, church was one of those things that we were like, you know, Travel and I, my co-host, we both grew up in the black church and we have like a lot of attachment to it. And we did an episode on gospel music and the ways that gospel music is really affirming and empowering and encouraging, but can also be really degrading and, you know, tell, tell me that God hates me or all of those things. And I feel like that episode is a really great representation of my relationship with faith, religion and church. And yeah. so... 
I know for myself, my faith has never really waned, but my relationship with church and religion has always been tumultuous. Yeah. Um, even up until this day, right? Like I, I've been in and out of different churches because there are different points when I don't feel like church embraces me in the way that I believe God does. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like church people embrace me in the way that God does. Um, and so that's been really, really challenging. And I know for myself, when I did come out, I was saying that all of the feedback that I was getting from my family about, you know, God thinks this and you need to be delivered and all of these different things. It was like, it was extremely difficult for me because I already believed that. Right. And so it went from me being the person telling myself that to my mom and my dad and my grandma, my grandparents and my stepmom and like, you know what I mean? And hearing that from all different angles and in some recent work I was doing in therapy, it recently occurred to me that I think I'm a person who deals with depression and anxiety, um, heavy on the depression, lighter on the anxiety, but heavy both on the anxiety, positive. lighter on the depression. Listen, it's We're, a perfect match. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, and so I... I really believe that depression started for me, like I think the seed of depression was started for me when I was six and I liked a boy and I knew that I couldn't say it. And sure. I think the first time that like depression really showed up for me was when I was nine and my parents divorced and like my whole world was kind of thrown on its head. Yeah. Um, and luckily, you know, fortunately our, uh, the judge and our parents divorced, uh, they mandated that we go to therapy. And so that was like my introduction to therapy. And I, I say all that to say that like, it's been very up and down for me because I know that I've I've had this feeling that what I was being told did not resonate, like about what God was, that what God thought about me or what God believed about me. Um, but it was just always in uh, direct conflict with what I was being told sure. or being taught. And so now as an adult, like, I still believe in God and I still believe, I still have faith. Um, but I've like explored, you know, dabbled in different religions and kind of have come to the conclusion that like all of it is the same, right? Like all of the faiths are the same. All, all of the religions are the same, all kind of like leading to the same God. Um, and you have to attach to what, it, what works for you. And if you don't believe in God, that's fine too, right? Um, but it was really, really difficult for me. And I remember um, so shortly after coming out to my family, um, having one of those moments that I can now recognize as depression, where I was like really high highs and really low lows and like kind of going across a, a, a space of 10 minutes. Um, and I remember having a prayer in that night because I was a I was a barista at Starbucks, like a lot of gay men. <laughs> and I uh, I remember like sitting in my car during break and thinking like, I was so happy when I was at work 10 minutes ago and now I'm sitting in my car and it's, you know, a very 90s kind of or 2000s kind of TV show. It's raining outside. I'm sitting in my car and I'm sad. And I remember thinking like, I don't know what God believes about me, but I don't think that God wants me to do this mm -hmm. and like feel this way so volatile all the time. Yeah. And so I prayed and I was like, God, I've been asking you to take this away from me for years. And clearly you haven't done it. And it's something that I can't do. So I trust that if this is something that you want to change, that you will do it. But I'm going to release the idea that I have to change. <sighs> um, and that was a pivotal moment for me. God, it was really huge. freeing. It's so huge. Yeah. That's so yeah. crazy. And did you, and then was there a point at which that sort of evolved into like, and in fact, 
you didn't take this away from me because this is a huge part of what makes me the person that I am and gives me the heart that I have and, and the, yeah. the capacity for compassion and love and joy that I have. Well, it took me years to get to that point. Like there were always like remnants of feeling like, well, maybe God does actually hate me. Right. Right. Um, but there were years of of me questioning it, of me, you know, discussing it with friends. And um, I remember hearing a pastor reference being gay as a gift. And I was like, whoa, 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 slow down, right? (laughs) Um, And like trying to figure out what that meant. And, you know, all of these different things. It it was a long path. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm really grateful now that 36 years old, I can say that like, I feel a lot more confident in who I am. And I feel... Um, embraced by God in a different way than I ever did when I was in my teen years. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hello, I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And we host Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. Every week, we share media that made us who we are. Things like Archie Comics, Sailor Moon, and lots of Taylor Swift. And now that Riley's an adult, it comes with 100% more butts. And now I am totally comfortable with it. So check out new episodes of Still Buffering every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Butts, butts, butts. Join in, Riley. Butts, 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 Okay, let's jump into this mash game. As you know, you will end up within a mansion, apartment, shack, or house. That's kind of built in to this process. For our first category, let's do three... Uh, let's do three places in the world that you would love to have a second home. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean vacation home, but it could. Mm, Okay. Um, My first thoughts are New York, South Africa, and I got to make this third one a good one. New York, South Africa. And let's do like, uh, I hear Australia's racist too. Um, I feel like it might kind of be... You know what? We shouted out Cleveland earlier. I'm just going to put that in there. Shout out to Cleve. Shout out to Cleveland. (laughs) My third house is in Cleveland. That's so (laughs) random. I've recently said this on the podcast about Cleveland. Everyone I know from Cleveland loves Cleveland and is very defensive of Cleveland and is like, don't you talk about Cleveland? I'm like, I have nothing to say that that's bad. I have no expectations whatsoever about Cleveland. One way I've or the been other. once for two days. I have I've no opinion. Been. I've <laughs> never been. I'm, and I have no doubt that it's that it's lovely. Uh, OK, great. I'm happy that it's on there. Uh, let's do second category. Three foods that in this reality, perhaps you feel ecologically guilty about or it's just fatty and or you want to eat all of the sugar but it makes you feel sick afterwards i'm stripping all of that away in this alternate universe you can have whatever you want in perpetuity and you'll never nothing there's no ramifications okay so first of all the fact that you're throwing this at me while in a week that i'm off dairy is really really offensive um god hates you that's right and so the number one thing is macaroni and cheese i am a just I, oh, macaroni and cheeses. I'm always going to try it if I see it in front of me. Yeah. I'm usually disappointed, but I'm always happy to do it. Yeah. Um, I would also say cheesecake in all of its many forms. Right. 
Um, and then, you know, I'm a big fan of a brisket, right? Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to go with <laughs> that was me. such an abrupt. Uh, sorry. It was no, like a different my... personality took over. <laughs> exactly, right? Sentence. I, I'm actually craving brisket right now, which is the reason that I was thinking that. But the other thing that I really am in love with is mashed potatoes. Great. I love great. a good mashed potato oh, God, situation. Please. That's definitely, I feel like a a great mashed potato is one of those like almost sad experiences, like a great, sometimes a great bite of food, you take it and you're like, you're like, oh, thank you so much. It's like, uh, I'm having a relationship to the future me when I'm done eating these. (laughs) And like, I miss that. I miss these. And I haven't even, you know what I mean? Mashed potatoes. I just, (sighs) oh. Very, very I would nice. go make them right now if I could add butter to them. Yeah, well, I'm telling but you, I can't. in this alternate world, oh, you're gonna it's end mashed up with potatoes and macaroni and cheese every day. You're gonna end up with one. Of, well, listen, oh, you can have all okay. these other. You can you can have the other two things. I'm just saying that you'll end up with one that's like, boom, like it's there, it. snap of your fingers, and you can just eat, 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 nothing about it. Okay, <laughs> next category. Let's do three. Let's do three artists. That could be visual artists. It could be performers, mm. writers, uh, broadcasters, anything that you deem artistic. Three uh, artists that are, could be from any era, living or dead, okay. that you would love to collaborate on something with. And you okay. don't even have to necessarily okay. know what that collaboration would be. You know okay. what I mean? Just be like, oh, um, give me, put this person in front of me. We'll figure something out. So... For your editor, they'll love me. I'm going to swap out cheesecake for nachos. We'll discuss right. it another time. Great. Um, my artists, I would not be a self-respecting black gay man if I didn't say Beyonce. Great. I'm really intrigued by Jordan Peele's brain. Yeah. And I feel like I love the mystery of Prince. I know, right? I I would want to do something with Prince. Yeah. And I'm not a musician. I have two musicians in there. I'm not musically inclined. I'm not even worried about it. He's, again, he's one of those people where he'd be like, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> you know Listen, I mean? I'm like, in. Whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, beautiful. All right. Next category, romance. This could be mm. someone from, you know, a character from film. It could be a character from fiction. Uh, it could be a cartoon. Anyone, mm-hmm. any era, doesn't matter. Three. I delusionally dated Dwayne Johnson for three years. Um, <laughs> so I feel like The Rock has to be in there. Let's throw him Funny in there. Funny story, I broke up with him and then met him a week and a half later. <gasps> Crazy. Oh. Um, so Dwayne Johnson, mind you, the one from like 10 years ago before he was like a big walking bag of muscles when he right. was just like really fit. Yes. Romantic interests. Oh, this is so difficult. I'm like, who do I want to spend that much time with? Oh, by the way, um, it doesn't have to be like a marriage. You could be like, by the way, I, when if I get so-and-so, we're, I'm going to have oh. like two months with them and then I'm tossing them. It's just okay. going to be sexy times and then goodbye. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a crush on an actor from Pose. His name is Delon Burnside. Yeah. He's like my current crush right now. And then I'm going to say Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who's this actor that is just fucking gorgeous. I'm going to have to look up Yaya. Mm-hmm. Y-A-H-Y-A. You'll be very happy about it. Okay, great. All right. Uh, next category, let's do three movies that you can jump into. You're not reliving the plot. You're not one of the characters in the movies. You're just It gives Easy. you access to that world. Black Panther. Great. Clueless. Great. The Devil Wears Prada. Ugh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm tempted to go to the Black Panther at the Hollywood Bowl, you know, that they do with the, like, the live symphony. 
You know I mean, this is happening? It's there's three it's nights just, of it. Three nights. When when is this? I wanna say August. I think it's later you in August. Shut your mouth. The Black Panther Hollywood Bowl. We're gonna be on that. I'm not afraid to go I'm not afraid to get tickets near you and or I mean, you. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'm not afraid. It's fucking friendship when is it? happening right this here. This is September. September eleventh of all dudes. Hello. Um oh my god, this might have to happen. Right? Oh, yes. <sighs> I've done my good deed for the day. With the Los Angeles Philharmonic? Uh, what do you yeah. want from me? Yeah. Sorry. I know. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm supposed to be in a podcast interview right now. My mind is completely <laughs> somewhere else now. Sorry. <laughs> We're gonna, we could get into that offline. Okay. Uh, I got three more categories. I'll zip through them uh, so you can okay. get back to fantasizing about this thing that is actually going to happen. Uh, next category, <laughs> let's do three alternate careers. And it's like just the upsides of those careers. Okay. Um, I'd be... A teacher or professor, that's one. Um, I would... <laughs> just the upsides. Um, I'd be a politician. Yep, yep. Or... I'd be a lawyer. Yeah. When I was a kid, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. It's, I mean, it's For a brief still time, holds a lot of appeal to me. I've yeah. so become one of those people who listens to a bunch of like legal podcasts and then I'm like, Brady violate that is a Brady violation. <laughs> Do you need me to write up an amicus brief? Like I I, I feel that. like I have an honorary I law degree. That. I I just always love the idea, like I get to argue with people like in a way with structure and great clothes. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> Like, come on. You are, you're removing from Clueless into Legally Blonde in this conversation. I just need to point that out. Very quickly. Way. I'm excited about the way. third movie in that's coming. Way. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Then second to last category, let's do three uh, talents that perhaps you already have but would like to beef up or something that is so far afield from, like, whatever you do know how to do. But we're going to give you the opportunity to wake up with uh, and mm. sort of download it at Matrix style. I've always wanted to be a singer-songwriter who could play the piano and the guitar. I know that's all a lot of things, but like singer-songwriter who could play yep. the piano and the guitar I'm at the same time if that. I felt like uh-huh. it. Um, I love cooking, but I would love to be like a pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God. Yeah, because that's a great choice because I feel like that is the one, like, one of the most, like, you will practice and suck until you're amazing at it. Rather than yeah. if you could just skip, to, skip ahead and be like, oh, no, right. I didn't have to toil away doing everything wrong until I got Like, oh, I've been making phyllo dough for years. Yeah. Like, Great. <laughs> I make my own. Great. Um, and then the <laughs> other thing I would want as a career, I would be, I would, I would love to be like a visual artist. Like, I can do paintings. I could do yeah. sculptures. I would do murals. I would love to be better with that. I'm pretty good with paint. But like I'm do like geometric things like yeah. interior design kind of stuff. Yep. But I would love to be able to like paint you in I this know. moment. I know that seems like magic to me, and I feel exactly. the same way. I'm like, how can I be so creative in other ways? But that feels like magic when I see someone yeah. do it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know it how you're doing totally that. Totally feels like. Yeah. I want to do it so well where you're like, is that a photo yes. or is that? And you're like, it might be. <laughs> Leave them guessing. Don't exactly. Ask, exactly. Uh, okay, and then final one. Let's do three 
uh, we're going to give you three chums, three buddies from out of some form of fiction. Uh, it could be a character in a movie or a book or whatever, but three fictitious people, but we're going to bring him in to be your buddy. That's tough. Okay. I want to be friends with Shuri from Black Panther. Great. The little sister. No. She's so I want to be. I mean, she's amazing. I, I'm literally thinking, like, who would I want to have, like, my feet up on the couch with eating macaroni and cheese in yeah. my living room yeah. at 2 o'clock this in the morning? This is great visualization. Yeah. Um, I want to be friends. Can it just be a celebrity? Yeah. Not, oh, not a yeah. Character? yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Um, I want to be friends with David Diggs and his wife. Have you seen their oh architectural God. digest video? No. They're amazing. Oh, I was like, that. I just oh want to be God. their friends. Okay, all right. Um, I have so much And homework. then... It, yes, you have things to do, um, like buying me these tickets to the Black Panther at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> um, and then, oh, I want to be friends with um, with Olivia Pope. Great. From Scandal. Oh, well, like, I, I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Speaking of giving, just, like, inspirational speeches that just come out of oh, nowhere where you're like, oh, I'm sorry, are you the most eloquent person in the world? Listen, I mean, I just think, like, what is it like to be her friend and to just yeah. be, like, sitting up on the phone with her and she's like, ugh, I gotta go to the White House. Let me I know. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, And you're like, oh, calling. I have this one small problem. I shouldn't even tell you. It's so small. It's so petty. And she's like, I got this. Right, exactly. You're like, oh, I'm exactly. sorry. You're going to Olivia Pope my problem. Great. Great. I would love to be best friends I with Olivia love Pope. It. I love it. Okay. Give me a word to describe your, like, your sort of, like, if you were, like, if you had whatever dream you wanted to have tonight, if you could say to yourself as you're falling asleep, like, I want to have a dream about this. What is the feeling that that, that, that gives you inside? Like, when you think about, like, it could be, like, <laughs> ooh, horny, or it could be, like, I, you know, like, calm or, like, emotional. I wish it was something more interesting, like, <laughs> horny or vacation, <laughs> but because I haven't had dairy in two and a half weeks. It would be dairy. I'm still thinking about macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes, uh-huh. so I'm, like... I would just be wanting to binge. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going to put binge um, is the word. Because that's all I need to uh, get you where you need to be with where you find out which one of these is, you get. That's such a bad option. Uh, it's very fine and very, very relatable. I completely failed at this game nope. with that one. I will not accept that. I need you to shut your mouth. Except I need you to open your mouth. Because while <laughs> I figure this out, I do want you to tell everyone again about Fanti, where they need to go. Yes. Other things. You're a very busy person and doing wonderful things. So please tell so people this is, what they need so to So this know. is vamping for like this, 60 seconds, right? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Was that not clear? Yes, please. Please. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Was um, I trying to pass so- it off as something more than that? Yes, I was. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Well, yes. I will tell you all, Fanti is the show that I co-host with Travel Anderson here on Maximum Fun. Uh, Fanti is a show about essentially the problematic faves, the things that we like or love that you know, don't necessarily always love us back or that we have complicated feelings it's about. It's such a so. great, it's just such a great concept. It's such a great show. And that, Thank you. Uh, you and Travel are such perfect hosts for it. And that feeling of like, where do we give ourselves permission to be let something be close to us that isn't perfect? And yeah. when do we need to go like, maybe I just need to walk away from this one. Like, I love yeah. that whole, I love it all. Well, in last week's show, uh, where maybe that was two weeks ago, I don't know. But like, we had this conversation about Chris Brown, and I was like, I think I need to cancel Chris Brown. I think I have to stop playing the music, even though I enjoy it. I think I can't watch the movies, even though I enjoy them. Um, we've done episodes on like Bill Cosby, Michael Jackson, and R. Kelly. 
we've done Tyler Perry, we've done, you know, this, uh, the All Black Lives Matter moment, moment that happened last year. We've So we talk about people, places, things, generally nouns. Um, and so that is uh, a big part of my, my life right now. I also, I'm a president of the National Association of Black Journalists here in Los Angeles. Um, and so that keeps me pretty busy. I'm also now doing screenwriting and uh, working on my second pilot, which I'm kind of developing right now, which is a very exciting, unexpected turn for me uh, career-wise. So that's been really fun. Um, the producer's giving me the light. It looks like you're done with the mash here. So um, my, I have a little my bit of time in of the light is so. I pretend it is doze off for just a second. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're still talking about your work. Like, no. You're still talking about you. <laughs> um, no, this that was that was uh, beautiful and perfect and uh, timed out in a gorgeous way because it did not sound like vamping and I have your results. Um, This is all over the place in a great way. Sometimes I feel like there's like a theme that emerges where it's like, oh, you said, (laughs) you know, this is like, oh, you said you want to live in Paris and you picked blah, 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 French guy as you're, you know what I mean? You start to see like, oh, Oh, you happen to get all the French themed stuff or whatever. I feel this is all over the place and I, and I think it's kind of fabulous. Uh, For one thing, I want to congratulate you on uh, the fact that all this being said, this whole life that I'm going to get into with you, even if this is all just like you're like, ugh, I still need a break. You can jump into the Devil Wears Prada. I'm very pleased uh, that you're going to be popping into what that movie. What else do I it's need? Fabulous. I mean, come um, on. But that being said, when you are not vacationing inside of the Devil Wears Prada, rest assured you also have a beautiful mansion in South Africa. Oh. Okay. Uh, this may be or may not be tied to the fact that you are a only the good stuff politician, which I feel like that's a great I mean, place for only the good stuff to be coming to fruition. Like you're only listen, you're only creating positive change, and there's no downside. I feel like I want Kamala Harris's Twitter bio to say I'm an only the good stuff politician. <laughs> like I just I love that. I love that. Uh, so all of that's happening. Uh, I also, I don't know where you find time to do all of this, but you are a fantastic singer-songwriter who also plays piano and guitar. This is going to come in very handy because while you originally felt like you didn't know what you were going to do if you collaborated with Prince, I now see that you guys are going to write like an album together because you're a full-on singer-songwriter who plays guitar and piano. Like you can, you're going to be like, you're contributing. And you know what? It's like an unplugged album. It's like acoustic. It's completely going left. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm it. into this. Uh, so that's happening. You are, I tell you, a couple of people who I know are going to be totally into that and also just into the friendship they have with you is David Diggs and his beautiful wife. Oh my God. I love the I'm idea of all of this happening with your companion for however long you want him, the 10 years ago version of a certain Dwayne Johnson. Ugh, okay, okay, okay. And all I will tell you, since we broke up, he's been, like, annoying as fuck. It's, like, texting, it's calling, (laughs) it's like, dude, move on. But, okay, okay. It's up to you. You want to dump his ass, that's totally fine. Uh, But, and then all of this is happening, and then there's so much going on here that at some point you're going to need to kick back, take it all in, and just feast on some nachos. Because you could have them as much as you want, whenever you want, in with whatever on them you want, uh, in perpetuity, and you will feel zero bad about it. In I every have to way. tell you, 
I'm so glad I made the nacho change from cheesecake because nachos are like my go-to for any situation. I say I'm an emotional eater, but like I eat for every emotion. It's oh, like I'm same, happy, I'm sad, same. I'm tired. It's I'm excited. my first We're thought. I get great news, and I'm like, ooh, what kind of ice cream should I get? Like it's amazing. Yes. I'm such a child. I'm such a child. I'm like, I'm like, like oh, the this day sucked. Or? I do feel like I deserve mac and cheese, though. I do feel like I've earned it. Like I've, I'm always earning it. I'm always exactly earning right. it, no matter what the scenario. And is. sometimes the earning is I've had a full day of depression and anxiety. I've earned nachos. Oh my God, please. I had a conversation the other day where I was like, even though I've done no exercise today and this is the worst time for me to choose to eat something bad, I've earned it because it's scary to make that decision. <laughs> Therefore, Listen, it whatever is still justification is required. Exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so you got a lot of fabulous stuff, uh, and being fabulous, I'm very happy I with this couldn't life. Couldn't be less surprised. This was so wonderful. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I don't Absolutely. understand. I mean, I do only uh, speak with gentlemen in the summers, but you're just somebody that. I you make me laugh so hard and I've sort of been waiting that. for this summer to come back around like ah, come on come <laughs> on tearing on so That's thank so you sweet. Thank, thank you, you. Thank I really you. appreciate that absolutely um, I'm excited to do this and uh, I'm excited to unpack these things because there's so much in my consciousness right now because I'm I'm writing about them so it I know hopefully this even show. helped and now there's even more like soupy stuff going on and like at, you know go to bed tonight dream of eating dairy and then you wake oh. up and be like ooh I just pro- downloaded a bunch of I just processed I'm a bunch t- of stuff I'm totally in my gonna go take an edible and get into a writing session <laughs> right, so like right. come on great couldn't be more <laughs> thrilled to hear it uh, alright uh, thank you thank you thank you and everybody absolutely Thank you for listening to the podcast. Oh, the only thing that I sometimes do is if people think they know even any of Don Henley's Boys of Summer, uh, I invite them to sing some. I also like when people make shit up. And I also like when people say, let me tell you what my summer song is. My summer song is da 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 da, you know. I feel like I'm pretty good at like being the person that can catch on to the song. So if you sing it, I can act like I know it uh-huh. and I'll be like a half <laughs> step okay. behind you. The chorus is like, okay. I can see you. I can see your brown skin shining in the sun. You got sun. your hand thrown back in you. Sunglasses on, baby. I can tell you my strong. I feel like I'm really good at this. I just want to be clear. This is actually what I'm I'm developing this with Prince for our acoustic album. Have you heard about this? It's called A Half um, Step Behind so. and Loving It. <laughs> exactly, yes. And it will be all me like 10 seconds behind Prince learning to play the piano recorded. Oh, right? With a guitar uh, on my back. I love it. So. I love it. Okay, all right. This is the real end. Thanks, everybody. I will talk to you next time on the podcast. (laughs) The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees on skyscrapers bring the villains to their knees maybe we should move someplace new and build time machines to 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.